It is a thankful Thursday here on Locked On Grizzlies. I, Joe Monax, am thankful to be back with you on this wonderful Thursday edition of the podcast. I am thankful for the Memphis Grizzlies, emphasis on Memphis Grizzlies. I'm thankful for Steve Kerr, believe it or not. I'm excited about that guy right now. And I also am appreciative of Dylan Brooks. Two of the three things have nothing to do with the Memphis Grizzlies, or do they? We're going to talk about all that and more on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. it feels like forever it feels like forever dear listener dear viewer it is i joe mullinax back in the flesh happy to be with you on this latest episode of locked on grizzlies free and available wherever you get your podcasts as always as proud members of the locked on podcast network you should also check us out on youtube like comment rate review subscribe all of those fun things today's episode is brought to you by jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I, Joe Mullinax of Bluff City Media, also of SB Nation, every once in a while, once NBA season gets rolling, proudly of Locked On Grizzlies. And I've missed you. Yes, you. You right there. I'm talking to you. I've missed you terribly. It is great to be back. It's a crazy time of the year for me. I'm going to be completely honest. And I want to shout out to Michael Cole for doing a phenomenal job in my absence, as he always does. You know to Michael, right? You you know that guy. He's fantastic. He gets it. He knows the Grizzlies as well as anybody does as the uh, wonderful beat reporter for the Memphis Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, covering these Memphis Grizzlies that we talk about each and every day, almost each and every day in the offseason here on Lockdown Grizzlies. We're about to turn up the volume on Lockdown Grizzlies, by the way. We're getting back into preseason mode, and we'll be back around each and every day just about starting next week, which Michael and I are very excited about. We've been planning big things for the podcast starting on Monday. Not that this episode isn't big, but you understand. We're starting to ramp up the intensity as the season approaches. And speaking of that, speaking of intensity, I got to tell you, I'm thankful on this Thursday. I am grateful because there are so many wonderful things that I get to talk about to Michael not with us on this episode. So many things that I get to discuss that provide me with a plethora, a smorgasbord, if you will, of hot take opportunities. I don't think my takes are that hot on this particular episode. I know people get fired up. When I'm by myself without the Michael Cole, everyone assumes that I'm going to go off the rocker, if you know what I mean. But I don't know that I'm that controversial this time. At least it's not controversial in my mind, which maybe is part of the problem. But the first topic that I want to address on this thankful Thursday edition of Lockdown Grizzlies is the Memphis Grizzlies themselves just literally existing in Memphis and being the team that over the last 10 to 15 years, in my opinion, the city of Memphis has come to call their number one. And the reason I bring this up is an article from Jeff Calkins and an overall firestorm on Grizzlies and Memphis social media talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, 
who recently just uh, committed $850 million to keeping the Thunder there in Oklahoma City. The Grizzlies, of course, very similar to the Oklahoma City Thunder, both in terms of market as well as size and scope of the team itself. And the interesting thing that is happening with Memphis and what has led to this brouhaha, this Donnybrook that has broken out on X or Twitter, whatever the heck you want to call it nowadays, and elsewhere in the Memphis onlineosphere, is the idea of a Grizzlies versus Tigers conversation, if it had to come to that. Because the city of Memphis, for those of you that don't know, maybe you listen in New Zealand, maybe you listen somewhere else across the country, and you're not knee-deep in local politics, the city of Memphis has received from the state government of Tennessee $350 million, all right? And that $350 million has been earmarked for Memphis Stadium funding, okay? So this comes from the Tennessee General Assembly, and in particular, stems from all the money that's being fed into the Tennessee Titans' new stadium in Nashville. I'll spare you all of those details. Just know that there is now $350 million coming the way of the city of Memphis to work on their stadiums. Well, there's two major stadiums, no disrespect to the Memphis Redbirds, the AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals. There are two major stadiums in Memphis, Tennessee. There is the Liberty Bowl, which is where the Memphis Tigers football team plays. The Liberty Bowl bowl game is played there, so on and so forth. And FedEx Forum, home of your Memphis Grizzlies, as well as the Memphis Tigers basketball team, men's basketball in particular. The Memphis Tigers have a stronghold historically in the city of Memphis. There's no disputing that. But they're also, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the audiences, if you look at how ticket sales have gone, if you look at how the city has developed over the last 10 to 15 years, and I admit I've only lived in the city for three of those 15, but I have followed the city of Memphis pretty closely over the last decade, even from afar. And I can say between various data points that you can find via Pew Research Center and elsewhere, other sorts of different data pieces, obviously the state of Tennessee keeps track of these things. Financially speaking, this $350 million is fairly significant to the city of Memphis, and how it is spent is extremely important because cities like Memphis don't just have $350 million lying around for sporting events and sporting arenas. That doesn't mean that the Memphis Grizzlies or the Memphis Tigers are any less important to the city. In fact, it's the opposite. They're extremely important, and you're trying to find a way to supplement and develop them. On one hand, the Memphis Tigers argue that they need the money to help prepare themselves for a Power 5 bid. Tons of movement and moving and shaking going on across college football in particular. The college landscape is changing rapidly. The Memphis Tigers don't want to play a game of musical chairs where they're the last ones on the outside looking in. An upgraded stadium, theoretically, would help with their bids to try to join a conference like the Big 12 or the ACC. On the flip side, the Memphis Grizzlies their lease coming up on FedEx Forum here in the next several years. Maybe not a complete rebuild of FedEx Forum, but the arena is probably due for some major upgrades. And it's important to point out that this doesn't need to be an either or, right? Like it doesn't need to be $350 million for the Memphis Grizzlies and the Memphis Tigers get nothing. You have to keep in mind that FedEx Forum is shared by both the Memphis Tigers and the Memphis Grizzlies. So that logically is going to get, I would argue, even a majority of the funds. But $150 million for FedEx Forum, $100 million for the Liberty Bowl, something along those lines, or maybe $200 million and $150 million. However you want to split that money, the argument that has come about on social media 
is if you had to choose, who should it be? And to me, I'm grateful for the Memphis Grizzlies because if you look at it objectively, it's not a contest. Whether it's the future of the city itself in terms of the fan base, the fan base is much more invested in the city of Memphis Grizzlies, not the Tigers. You can say it's because of John Morant. I would argue that transition was happening even during the grit and grind era when I was there in Memphis. When you look at the Memphis Tigers fan base, it is largely an older fan base. So even though Penny Hardaway is extremely popular and extremely effective recruiter as the head basketball coach of the Memphis Tigers, that does not equate to the actual on-the-court product. Never mind the money that a NBA franchise brings to a city compared to what a college athletic department does that is not even a member of a Power Five conference at this point. So it really is a conversation of what was versus what is and what will be. And when you're looking at a city like Memphis that is looking for ways to best get the juice out of the squeeze, how do you maximize the productivity of a professional or a successful athletic department in college? The larger success rate in terms of opportunity cost comes from investing in the NBA franchise because the Memphis Grizzly League the Memphis Grizzlies are gone. And again, there's nothing to suggest that that's coming. The city of Memphis is very negatively impacted in terms of revenue, in terms of attention, in terms of all the things that make people potentially want to come to Memphis. The Memphis Grizzlies have the potential to have a broader footprint. Maybe they don't have it right now. Maybe it is dependent on superstars like John Morant. But guess what? The Memphis Grizzlies have a superstar like John Morant. And because of that, they are in a position to where they can expand the knowledge of Memphis in a way that the University of Memphis simply cannot. So whether it's entertainment value, the NBA product is just better than college basketball. I don't know many people that would openly argue for college basketball in front of the NBA at this stage. Maybe you would in the comments if you you know, want to try to sell me on that. It's going to be very difficult. Uh, you know, I want to stress that it doesn't have to be an either or, but if we're divvying up that 350 million, I would probably go 250 for FedEx Forum and 100 million for the Liberty Bowl. And if that's not enough for the Liberty Bowl, then they have to come up with that money somewhere else because FedEx Forum, Memphis is a basketball town. Memphis is passionate about their Tigers, and I think that passion will continue. But that that rise with John Calipari, the Derrick Rose years, all of those things. They've passed. And in the years upon years of losing that the Memphis Tigers endured, even if they made it to a tournament and then lost in the first round of the NCAAs, the Grizzlies have been, give or take a couple of bad years, that's successful. And now there is a whole new generation of basketball fans in Memphis that would call themselves Grizzlies fans before they would call themselves Tigers fans. So the city of Memphis's future in terms of sports lies with the Grizzlies. Doesn't mean that the Tigers don't hold significance. But it does mean if you're having to make a choice in terms of investment, the Memphis Grizzlies are more than worth that investment. And I'm grateful for that. I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you, you, but I am happy that the Grizzlies are in Memphis. And I am thankful that I think the city of Memphis sees the value in the franchise as well. And again, I don't think this, the Memphis Tigers are going to be left out in the cold. Their administration is doing what they're supposed to do, trying to fight for a piece of the pie. The Grizzlies are going to get the larger chunk as well they should. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, we're going to take a look at Steve Kerr. Again, why am I thankful for Steve Kerr? If you've been listening to 
uh, recent episodes of the show, DeMichael has talked about FIBA a lot, and I did before my little hiatus. I'm grateful for Steve Kerr. I don't know about you, but I am, and I'm going to talk about why next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. I am grateful for Steve Kerr. We're going to talk about why next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am Joe Molinax flying solo on this thankful Thursday edition of the podcast. I'm thankful for DeMichael Cole, my wonderful co-host, who has uh, carried my dead weight, so to speak. Maybe not dead weight. I need to be kinder to myself. Uh, less mobile weight, maybe during this time of the year. So thank you to DeMichael giving him a well-deserved day off here on this edition of the pod. And... I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Memphis Grizzlies, like I talked about earlier in the show. Not that I'm not thankful for the Memphis Tigers, but I'm thankful that the Grizzlies have overtaken and shown the value of an NBA franchise in that city, because I think the city of Memphis sees it too. So I'm thankful for the Grizzlies in that way. I'm also thankful for Steve Kerr. And I know that Michael kind of gave a post-mortem already of Team USA and Jaron's performance. He talked about Santi as well on a recent episode. I want to focus on Steve Kerr because he did what Taylor Jenkins wasn't willing to do or maybe understood happy belated birthday to coach Jenkins, by the way, understood what was going to happen in the event that Jaron Jackson jr. Played the five exclusively. And for whatever reason, Steve Kerr wanted to find out for himself on a pretty important international stage. Scapegoating's popular, right? Parker Fleming wrote about this in his Substack. I highly recommend you subscribe. If you don't already do so Parker Fleming, formerly of Grizzly bear blues and bluff city media, good friend of mine. Parker talked about the idea of how Jaron as a five actually does work pretty significantly and pretty well if it's done within the right context in the right situations, which Steve Kerr did not apply to Jaron in this Team USA run. Starting five, maybe not the best use of him right now because he still has those foul troubles. He still has rebounding issues. Those are things that were present the last couple of years, right? And even though he is getting better in those particular areas, even though he is impactful as a defensive player of the year, quality type of guy as a basketball player. That doesn't change the fact that he's still a poor rebounder for his size and his position. doesn't change the fact that he still rates at entirely too high of a level. He fouls too much. A point made by Parker, and I agree with him, Jaron starting as a five is fine, as long as you have another forward by his side. But the guys that Jaron played a majority of his minutes next to in this Team USA run, Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, you have a bunch of six foot four ish to six foot six ish wings and guards that are not true forwards. If you put him next to Paolo Banchero, you put him next to Bobby Portis, and let him get some run against comparable sized guys and add a little bit more width and size and length to the front court, 
I think you get even more out of Jaron at the five. That was not something that Steve Kerr, for whatever reason, was willing to do. He leaned heavily into the athleticism of Team USA. He wanted to see them get out and run the transition opportunities. That's all well and good, but you got to be able to rebound and you got to be able to defend. And the international game is so different from that of the NBA. The court is literally smaller. There is not as much room for that athleticism to thrive and operate. And in the absence of that space, you need guys that are able to create their own space to move around in. Jaron can do that hit or miss, but he can't do it on a consistent basis, especially not against starting caliber centers who have the physicality to be able to take advantage of him. Now, that doesn't mean Jaron failed. Again, scapegoating is convenient and easy, and Jaron being a big who does not rebound the way that a big should rebound is an easy, low-hanging fruit kind of target. I get it. But I also understand, because I've watched the Memphis Grizzlies basketball for a really freaking long time, that Jaron Jackson Jr. is not asked to do that for the Memphis Grizzlies. He has Steven Adams. Before Steven Adams, it was Jonas Valanciunas. Jaron has always had a starting center. Before that, it was Marc Gasol to ply his trade next to to depend on for being that true big so he didn't have to do it consistently. He could focus on the things that maximize his skill set. Now, please don't get it twisted. This is not revisionist history. I want to see Jared get more reps at the five. I'm just glad that it happened with Team USA in games that the Memphis Grizzlies couldn't give two craps less about. Or the only reason that they did care is because Jaron cared. Jaron wanted to win. Jared was committed to Team USA. Probably still is committed to Team USA. That'll be a topic for another episode of Lockdown Grizzlies down the road. Surely he still sees the value in being a member of that group of players. But at the same time, as 2024 approaches, and you have LeBron James and Steph Curry and all of these guys talking about how they want to get back into the Team USA fold. If I'm Jaron Jackson Jr., I need to know that I'm going to be put in a position next to Bam Adebayo. I need to know that I'm going to be put in a position next to potentially Joel Embiid. A true big that allows for Jaron to be the best weak side rim protector he can be, to try to find mismatches on the perimeter and create off the dribble, to utilize the strengths of his game as opposed to being put in a spot where his weaknesses are going to be magnified so brightly and so greatly. That is not Jaron Jackson Jr.'s fault. That is Steve Kerr's fault for not understanding the best use of Jaron Jackson Jr. So kudos to you, Steve Kerr. Because while you failed in your first outing as the true head coach of Team USA, at least in terms of getting the team to a place that most folks feel they should be on the medal stand, I am proud of you because you did something that Taylor Jenkins isn't willing to do just yet, and it gave Jaron significant opportunity to get some reps at the five. There were pros and cons, hits and misses, mostly misses, more misses than hits, maybe is the fairest way to put it. But it was valuable experience for Jaron in meaningful opportunities against world-class caliber talent, not NBA reserves. Although those guys are world-class too, don't get me wrong. But the stage, right? The, the international flavor that was brought to this, the intensity of those games. You don't get that on a Wednesday in March in the National Basketball Association. You just don't. And you also don't see it consistently among reserve bigs in the NBA. So kudos to you, Steve Kerr, for helping the Memphis Grizzlies out, for doing us a solid for once. Maybe this is to make up for the code stuff that you uh, 
talked about a couple of years ago. You let us see what Jared is capable of as a five right now. And you gave us a great, or you gave me at least, a greater appreciation for Steven Adams, which is very important. Love you, Steve-O. Glad you're still around. Hope you're healthy. Looking forward to training camp with you as the starting center of the Memphis Grizzlies and Jaron Jackson Jr. back where he belongs at the four. We're going to wrap up this episode of Locked on Grizzlies. It's a thankful edition of the show, and I am grateful for Dylan Brooks. Again, I know he's not technically a Memphis Grizzlies player anymore, but I'm still happy for Dylan Brooks and happy to know of Dylan Brooks. We're going to talk about why next year on Locked on Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Locked on Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season, which has just kicked off with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. Yes, right now. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now, right now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. I'm thanking Dylan Brooks, maybe one last time, next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax, your host for this episode of the podcast. So happy, so grateful, so thankful to be back with you, dear listener, dear viewer. I missed Michael Cole terribly. I'm excited to talk with him next time we're together here on uh, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. Again, free and available wherever you get podcasts. But to Michael, getting a well-deserved day off as I, Joe Mullinax, join you on this episode of the podcast. And again, I'm grateful for the Grizzlies of Memphis because I think Memphis understands that their Grizzlies are worth the investment that it's going to take to update FedEx form and perhaps slight the Memphis Tigers in the process. And I am also grateful for Steve Kerr for showing me and the rest of us that there is still upside to Jaron Jackson Jr. as a starting five, but he's not there yet. And it didn't cost the Grizzlies a thing. So shout out to Steve Kerr for that. My last thank you on this grateful Thursday is to Dylan Brooks. Why? Because I love being right. Who doesn't love being right? Who among you? Who among us doesn't enjoy being correct about something, right? And everybody loves to point out, whether it's on social media, over at Bluff City Media, in the comments here, on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, if you comment, everybody chats, chats, chats. Joe, you were wrong, man. Joe, you don't get it, buddy, pal, chief. You use all the different titles that let me know that things are not cool between us, as Dane Cook once said. But again, I'm going to pat myself on the back where necessary because nobody else is going to do it. DeMichael's not here to congratulate me on being correct. Dylan Brooks is showing right now. He showed in the FIBA third place game where he absolutely cooked the United States of America that he is capable of being something that he was not in Memphis. Now, you're probably listening or watching, and you're thinking to yourself, Joe, that's a drastic overreaction. You have lost your mind. Dylan Brooks is never going to shoot for 12 for 18, 6 for 8, or whatever it was from 3 ever again. Not going to happen, dude. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the entire tournament, where he showed a willingness to make the extra pass that he did not show consistently in Memphis, where he played in and behind superior offensive talent like SGA. He is more than willing to be that guy if he believes it's what's best for the team and if he believes that's what the team wants of him. 
But what's been my argument with Dylan Brooks all along, dear listener, dear viewer? I said from the jump, when I saw Dylan Brooks get drafted and be a part of that 2017-2018, that was so bad. 2017-2018 team that brought Jaron Jackson Jr. in as the fourth overall pick in that draft. The year before, the lottery odds were skewed to try to curb tanking. The Grizzlies were a really bad basketball team. And Dylan Brooks, a majority of the time, because of injuries to Mike Conley and things going on with Marcus Saul, the tanking that was clearly going on, there were way too many nights where a second-round pick from Oregon was asked to be the best player on the Memphis Grizzlies. There were way too many times where Dylan Brooks, who everything that he's gotten in basketball, he has earned. He was asked to be the lead defender on an opposing team's best player as a second-round pick in the 2017 NBA draft. Where am I going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. Dylan was asked to be more with the Memphis Grizzlies than he ever could possibly have been because of the bad situation he was in. And that continued on through the drafting of Jaron Jackson Jr., through the selecting of John Morant and Desmond Bain. Because as these young towers were coming, talents were coming into being, it wasn't just Jonas Valanciunas that was depended on as that security blanket. No, 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 no. Jonas was that break it class in case of emergency offensive guy. Dylan Brooks was the glue. He was the defensive energy. He was the first block in the culture that the Memphis Grizzlies were trying to build. And as DeMichael and I have talked about, what is that culture? Is it healthy, given what's become of John Morant, at least to this stage, with a 25-game suspension looming to start his season? Those are all fair things to ask and ponder, and we'll probably ponder them again here on Locked On Grizzlies as the season approaches. But I think that a lot of people, because of his admittedly terrible offensive season this past year in particular, but his overall frustrating demeanor, the way that he talked too much, pulling on Superman or LeBron's cape, so to speak, it got tiresome. And people didn't want to invest in that anymore. And they didn't think that Dylan would fall in line in Memphis. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm with you on that. I support that viewpoint. But it's not because Dylan's some jerk or he wasn't a good teammate. It's because of the way that he was cultivated. It's because of how he developed within the NBA structure of the Memphis Grizzlies whether it was early on when there was nobody else to take those shots and be that defender or in the early years of the John Morant era where the players looked to Dylan Brooks. Watch the bubble games back again. Go do it. And I promise you, you will see John Morant and others deferring to Dylan Brooks because Dylan was the guy that was willing to be on the wall. He was willing to take that shot. He was willing to be that defender. He was not afraid because that was his entire rookie campaign. Dylan is not a cancer. Is he worth $20 million a year over four years? Eh, I would have paid him that, but I get why they didn't. I get why the Grizzlies didn't. I'm not mad at him for it. The Houston Rockets are going to be happy they did because that's a guy who cares, who is going to invest. And now that he's going into a fresh situation, whatever the Houston Rockets are telling him is his role, that's what he's going to do. And it'll be on the Houston Rockets now. If they say, come on in, Dylan, we don't want you to change a thing. And I know what Dylan has said in the media. I know he's talked about wanting a larger offensive role. Maybe the Rockets will provide that. But if they do so within the scope and scheme of what they're trying to build, it was money well spent on their end. 
It would have been money well spent in Memphis too, in my opinion. But it would have meant moving on from a Brandon Clark. It would have meant having to have some sort of other money shifted around as Desmond Bain's contract kicks in and the money of Jaron and Ja continues to go up. Jaron's is descending. But in a couple of years, it's going to go up through a new extension. I get why Dylan was let go or not renewed, not brought back. I'm okay with it. I was not okay with how people celebrated it or felt that he was some sort of reason that the Grizzlies failed. It ended poorly. But Dylan Brooks is a major reason why Memphis has been the two seed in the Western Conference the last two seasons. And I think he's going to bring a lot of that same energy to the Houston Rockets. And it was good to see him prove me right, at least on the international stage. Thank you so much for listening to or watching this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. It is much appreciated. Again, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe. All of those wonderful things. And it truly is wonderful to be back with you. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed making it and talking to you over these last 30 odd minutes or so. Next time you see us here on Lockdown Grizzlies, DeMichael Cole and I will be back. We'll have our eyes to the preseason. Maybe we'll take a quick look around the Western Conference, get a lay of the land, so to speak, in terms of anything that might be happening. Maybe check in on James Harden trade rumors or what's going on with Damian Lillard. There's all sorts of different things going on with the NBA. Never mind the star resting policy, right? I'm sure that's a topic that will come up as well, since the Grizzlies technically have a couple of stars going off of Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant in particular. So lots to discuss the next time we're together. Make sure you've got your notifications on. Make sure you're liking, commenting, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all those fun things. Don't miss the next time that Locked on Grizzlies is with you. I am so glad to be back with you. I look forward to the next time already. Check us out. Until then, stay locked in. This is Locked on Grizzlies.